Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are going to be moving on from our study of the Lord's Prayer to ask a question. And it's a, a question that we have, if you, you look at history, humankind ha, has always kind of tried to answer, right? This question of who am I? If you look at, at Greek philosophy, it's, it's present there. If you look at just all of the different movements in culture, we see that there's this attempt to define who we are. And, I mean, we, we even asked the, the question this morning, who am I that the, the highest king would welcome me? Who, who am I? And, and we see it in scripture where, where David is praying to God and saying, who am I that, that you would, would honor me in this way? And, and this question just continually comes up. And as we, we look at psychology today, they, they tell us that you can't ask that question. That question can never be answered because as soon as you ask the question and you start looking into yourself to figure out who you are, it will have changed. And so you, it's this constant process. And while that may be true of the, the earthly characteristics that exist in my life, as we, we prayed just a moment ago, my identity is made up of more than just those things. I am who the creator says I am. And before we ask this question of, of who am I, we have to first answer the question of who God is. And if you've been watching the, the, the video series, The Chosen, you'll, you'll notice that there's a specific opening to many Jewish prayers. And it, it's, it's very common in the, the Jewish prayer books that they have, blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe. As we, we pray, we typically say, Father God, or Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, or Something to, to that effect. That, that's how, how general Western culture typically starts their prayer. That, and that's not wrong. But it's interesting that the, the Jewish prayer is started, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. And so in order to properly understand who God is, we have to recognize that he is king of the universe. And if we take a look at, at the book of Exodus, God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he tells him that he needs to go to Egypt and he needs to take his, his people, the Israelite people, out of slavery, away from Pharaoh. And in response, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What is his name? 
What am I supposed to tell them? And that's in Exodus 3.13. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The, the phrase that is translated here, aye, esher aye. And aye is the, the first person common singular of the verb to be. It could be used as I am watching the sheep. I am walking by the road. I am your father. However, when you say, I am, and nothing else, it's the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency. I am, there is nothing else that is dependent on me being. I am who I am. God's existence is, not, existence is not contingent on anyone else. His plans are not contingent on any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be. And that is that, that he will be the eternally constant God from the, the very foundations of the earth. And if we, we follow that through to, to what this scripture is that we have printed on our building, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am who I am. And so Moses and Aaron, they go and, and they deliver this message to Pharaoh and they say, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let them go. Pharaoh is, is not willing to concede that there is a power that is higher than himself. He's not willing to yield to the plans of one who is all-powerful. In fact, Pharaoh is saying, I am who I am. And because I am who I am, I will not yield to what is being asked of me. And, and what we see here is, is the besetting sin of all of humanity. All of hum and it's so easy to say, oh, Fairy, you're such a bad guy. We do this on a regular basis. We, as we've talked about, put ourselves up on that throne and say, I am who I am. We make plans and, and we're determined to fulfill them no matter what the cost and even when there's evidence to the contrary. We are not convinced of our weakness. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He never fades. He never falters. His word endures from generation to generation, from everlasting to everlasting. And what does that mean? Why, why does that have an impact on this question of who am I? It means that because he never changes, because God is the same, all of the things that he says never change. 
all of the promises that he makes never change. And as we continue on this morning, we're going to learn that there are a number of promises. There are a number of times where God says specifically who we are. And because God never changes, because God never falters, we know that what God proclaims over us is true. And so this morning as we come to receive from the word, we are going to see a very clear description of who we are as followers of Christ. The text that we're going to be pulling from for this series is Ephesians 1 and 2. And as we look at these verses in these two chapters over the coming weeks, we're going to find that they are overflowing with definitions of who we are. How is this ever a question? Eve has this little habit that she ha- she's in right now where if you ask her how she's doing, and maybe some of you have heard it, she will answer with one word, and it will always be this word. She's great, and she's always great, unless she's not great, and she'll t- say that she's not great. And, and she, she will function with those two, and that is the only two descriptors of of anything, whether it's broccoli is not great, or <laughs> if it's we get to go to the zoo today, well, that's great. So the point being, when you only have one definition of who you are, it kind of limits your ability to express yourself. It, it limits who you are. And obviously she's going to grow and she's going to learn all of these different things and different ways to, to express herself. But the point is, if we look in these two chapters, there, I've just picked out 31 different areas of who God says we are in these two chapters alone. We can be more than just great. <laughs> and so it's so interesting that a question that is so prolific in today's society, that is so prolific in our own hearts, in our own searching, is one that can so easily be answered by what we find in Scripture. But it's also one that we, as followers of Christ, can so easily forget the answer to. As we go through and as we look at these different definitions of who we are, it's more than likely that we've probably forgotten some of them. More than likely, we've, we've forgotten who God says we are. And so this morning, I, I challenge you to, to remember We're going to actually do a little bit more reading than we normally do. We're going to read through the first two chapters of Ephesians today. And what I'd like to do when we're going to read a a large passage of Scripture like this is I've put this into the message translation because it's it's just easier to understand when we read through a, a whole 
chapter like this. And then as we go through our study, we're going to be pulling it from the New King James. What we see here is this letter that the Apostle Paul has written to the Ephesians. He starts out by saying, I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ, writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. And I'm not going to stop and interrupt every single sentence that we read here because this is going to take a long time if I do that. But I think it's so important as we're talking about who am I? In this first sentence, we see Paul knows who he is. In this first sentence, Paul is under God's plan. And he he says it. He says, I am under God's plan. I have a job. I have a mission. I am a special agent of Christ Jesus writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I have been called to this time. When we understand who God says we are, when we understand the calling that God has placed on our life, we're able to be effective. We're able to participate with him in that mission. He says, I greet you with the grace and peace poured out into our lives by God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy in his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds, and not just barely free, abundantly free. He thought of everything. He provided for everything that we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans that he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in the deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had, all his, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment from God is the first installment of what is coming, a reminder that we'll get everything that God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. And that is why when I heard of the solid trust that you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank, I ask. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is that he's calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life 
he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in those who trust in him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven and in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The, church, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life that life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin, dead lives, and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own with no help from us, and he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And now God has us right where he wants us. With all of the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus, saving is all his idea, and it's all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from the start to the finish. We don't play the major role, and if we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work that has gotten us ready, that he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It is only yesterday that you outsiders of God's ways had no idea about any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. You hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large, but because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we are now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and the Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had come, become so clogged with the fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? 
You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. Amen. Who am I? Aren't you glad that God doesn't try to keep it a secret? How encouraging when we understand and recognize that that our best and worst moments don't define us, that the only thing that defines who I am are the words of God that are being spoken over us. I am a saint. I am faithful in Christ Jesus. I'm given grace. I'm made part of Christ's body. I'm given mercy. I'm given peace. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm chosen before the foundations of the world. I'm holy and blameless. I'm loved. I'm predestined for adoption. I'm adopted as a son. I'm redeemed through his blood. I'm forgiven of trespass. I'm lavished with grace. I'm given knowledge of the mysteries of his will. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm guaranteed an inheritance. I'm given faith and hope and God's power. I'm made alive with Christ. I'm saved by grace. I'm raised up with Christ. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I'm a display of God's grace and kindness in the coming age. I'm given the gift of salvation. I'm God's workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm no longer a stranger to the covenants of promise. I'm brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm made part of the one new man, both Jews and Gentiles. I'm reconciled to God. I'm given access to the Father. I'm a fellow citizen of the saints, a fellow member of God's household. I am a holy temple united with other believers. I am being built together into a dwelling place for God. And that's just the start. That's just two chapters of God's word that says who I am. Do you see how easy it is to get lost in this seemingly noble quest of who am I? I need to to spend my life trying to figure out who I am, trying to define who I am. I need to go to college to figure this out. I need to go out on this walkabout to, to have this time of introspection to understand who I am. The fact of the matter is you don't. You don't need to do any of those things because if we just stopped and looked at the word of God and read specifically what it is that God says we are, we would know. God isn't shy about proclaiming who we are and what he thinks of us. 
He wants us to know that we are his kids so that we can live like we are his kids so that others can see what it means to be his kids and want to be his kids too. So why would he keep it a secret? Why, why would it be something that, that we had to work and endeavor and spend a lifetime figuring out? If we have to spend a lifetime figuring out who we are in Christ, that's kind of a waste. God's word says that I have value, that I am made new. I have a spirit and I will be transformed, that I represent him. I am all of these things, not because I will them into existence, but because God says so. I am who he says I am. As we continue into this study, we're going to focus on a group of these characteristics, a group of these definitions each week, and we're going to, to focus on what it truly means to be called a saint, what it truly means to be called faithful in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be given grace? What does it mean? And, and what does those definitions, those things that God is speaking over me, how should that impact me? How should that change how I'm living my life on a day-to-day -day basis? How should it impact the interactions that I have with other people? Because as I said, in reading this small list, there were things that I had forgotten, things that, that were not front of mind. Sometimes you forget that you've been lavished with grace. Sometimes you forget that you have been made alive with Christ. And sometimes as we forget those things, it's, it's good to have this reminder. It's good for us to come back and, and not only be reminded that that exists, but be reminded of the power that that represents for us. And again, the, the reason that these have power in our lives is because of who God is. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we prepare to move into this study for the coming weeks, Lord, as we prepare to, to receive from you a better understanding of who it is that you say we are. God, we come this morning, we proclaim, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. God, you hold all power and all dominion. God, that you are the name above all names. God, as we come and we proclaim those things, we say that you alone are worthy to define who I am that you alone are able to speak into my life and to form and shape who I am, God. And because of that, I recognize that I have hope in you. I have peace, I have grace, I have joy. 
because of what you have proclaimed over me. And God, as we move from this place into our our workplaces, into our homes, into interactions with neighbors and friends and anybody else that we may come into contact with, Lord, help them to understand who we are. Help us to to live it as an example so that others will see and, and desire to have the same. God, that we would overcome by the power of your blood and the testimony. God, as we ask this question in our lives, as as this comes up on a regular basis, because it does, we ask that you would remind us who you say we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 